Morning, everyone. Good to be here again. You'll be think after the service that we've had so far, it's a strange word that you're going to hear this morning from a strange fella. You'd probably be right. But the, the thing I want to look at this morning is doubt. Doubt. And I've given it a title. It's called Doubt Your Faith. Have Faith in Your Doubts. The question this morning I'd like to ask is, is it normal for a Christian to have doubts? Now, I think there isn't a Christian who doesn't have doubts at some time about his or her faith. However, many of us probably are too proud to admit that. That's a bit strong, isn't it? It's a bit tough coming from the front. But to many Christians, the word doubt is offensive because Christianity is all about faith. And because it's all about faith, and so too many people think talking about doubt is like playing with fire or a live grenade, if you like, because you drop the pin out of it and it might well go up in your face. And it's because of this volatile nature that I think people don't talk about doubt. I think doubt is a bit like, you can view doubt as a bit like spots. Can you remember when you were a teenager and you had spots? You would rather the word there, but fact of the matter is, we got them. We had them. We all had them, probably at some times in our lives when we were growing up. The question is, what did you do with them? What did you do with them when you saw them? I guess the, probably the first thing you did when you spotted a spot, you usually tried to hide them. You put on a little extra makeup. That's just the lads, by the way. You put on a little extra makeup to try and hide the fact that you, you had this spot. And it's a bit like doubts. We tried to hide them. But what usually happens when you try and do that? They get bigger, don't they? They do, the spots get bigger until they finally, until they finally explode. What do you do then? I'll tell you what you would normally do. You would squeeze them. And sometimes you'd look at your spots and, oh, that's a nice one. I think that's my favourite. <laughs> but when you try to squeeze our doubts a bit like our spots, not only do we splat the mirror that we're looking in, but we usually spread the infection too. The problem is when we have doubts, we struggle to face up to them. And that's the other step we need to take when we have doubts. We've got to face up to the fact that we have spots, we have doubts, and we can't ignore them. We have to learn how to treat them, address them. And who knows, the spots and the doubts may even go away. See, all Christians believe in God, but we don't always believe God. That's why Jesus said, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John 20, verse 29. God expects us to have doubts. While we may seek to live a more spirit-filled life, we are still worldly. As Paul observes, 
when he said this, Brothers, I do not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. We are infants in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. Because Paul knew that doubt was not a disease, not a symptom of our spiritual maturity, the immature Christian, which is just below the surface in all of us. We've all been through life in stages where we have faced this journey of doubt. It's controlled by our desires, what happens to us in life, the path that we take, while the mature believer looks to see what God desires. I wonder what we do when we face those moments of doubt. Do we hand them over to God, desire him to do the best with us that we can at that particular time? Have you ever heard someone refer to someone else as a Dalton Thomas? I've met loads of Dalton Thomases in my life. Probably the same as you. But did you know that the original Dalton Thomas was one of Jesus' 12 disciples? And he wasn't afraid to express his doubt, even to Jesus. Thomas wasn't present when Jesus first appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, so he was reluctant to believe their witness to Christ's resurrection. Sometimes we can get into that reluctant stage in our walk with God. Ten out of his best friends, Thomas's best friends, couldn't change his mind. Doesn't matter what they said, what they did, they couldn't change this guy's mind. Thomas told them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, Jesus came to his disciples again and he went straight to Thomas. Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know what? I'm so glad God has such a powerful story about doubt in the Bible. While he wants us to stop doubting and believe, he also knows that doubt will inevitably come your way and my way at some point in our lives. We can have doubts, but we don't have to live a doubtful life. Thomas didn't steer in his doubt. He let Jesus bring him to belief. That's where we need to be. We've got to allow Jesus to bring us to belief again. So take encouragement from the fact that countless other followers of Christ have struggled with doubts. We're not alone. We're not alone. Remember, doubt encourages us to rethink our beliefs. Not to abandon them, but to rethink them. It could be used to pose the question, get an answer, and push for a decision. It was never meant to be a permanent condition, but for some of us, it's a permanent condition. We continue in doubt in times in our walk with God. There's a study note in my Bible which describes doubt as one foot lifted, poised to step forward or back, but there's no motion until the foot comes down. Frederick Bushner said this, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. Doubts are the ants in pants 
of faith. I wanted to consider these words that were written by a lady. This is what she said. Jesus has a very special love for you. As for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see. Listen and do not hear. There's such a terrible darkness within me as if everything was dead. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there's such convincing emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Did I make a mistake? Did you hear the doubts of the words in that letter that was written? Did you also feel that she was wrestling with something going on in her life? But here was someone who was not giving up, continuing to struggle, yes, to listen, to yearn for God, even in the midst of those doubts. These words were written by Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa wrote those words. In the book, Come, Be My Light, it contains letters and journals, and these words reveal a woman who inspired millions by her compassion and mercy, but she was gripped with long periods of doubt and torment over God's absence. Is that a picture of you and me? At times when we walked with God, we felt as though he wasn't there for us. I think if Mother Teresa can feel these things, who can be immune from them? We're all potential patients in that ward of life, aren't we? Someone once said, doubt is normal, but we need to doubt our doubts. Don't let them rule your life. Don't let them rule my life. Don't let them rule our life. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Have faith in your doubt. Have faith in asking the question, you'll find what you need when you ask the question. I think it means above the front door of every church, you should have this, this sign. It, these two words, doubters welcome. I think that would be good to have that as a sign in our church so people can come in knowing that if you've got any doubts, come inside. If you've got any questions, come inside. If you're uncertain, come inside. If you're sceptic, come inside. If you're searching for truth, come inside. There are many people out there in the world we live in who have doubts. What a great option it would be for to offer them a way in to Christ. We open that door with a welcome like that. So here are some ways to move from doubt to faith. Doubt is not sinful but it can be dangerous. It can also be a spur to enormous spiritual growth. Remember that this morning? You can have spiritual growth even though you might have doubt. But it's what you do with your doubt with what matters. Here's some simple suggestions about how to handle your doubt this morning. Here's the first one. It's a tough one. It's for everyone. Admit your doubts and ask for help. Nobody likes asking for help. I know that with the kids that I work with. You've got to try and get it out of them that they're struggling with life and they're struggling with problems that you and I possibly don't know anything about. 
That's what the Father did in Mark chapter 9. That's what John the Baptist did. And in a way, that's what Thomas did. He plainly stated why he could not and would not believe until he saw the evidence for himself. That's the people in the world out there. They are living a life of doubt until they see and believe they won't come. God is not fragile. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your fears. He can handle your worries. He can handle all your unanswered questions. He's a big God. He runs the universe without any help from me or you. Your doubts won't upset him. Tell him your doubts. Cry out and ask for his help. There's no shame in that. But on no account, don't fight the battle by yourself. Don't fight the battle alone because it's tough out there. It's tough. Go to a Christian friend. Go to a pastor. Go to an elder, a deacon. Anyone with a string of faith and godly insight into what's happening. Ask them this. Ask them to walk with you as you face your doubts. And they will. They will. The problem is we have to respond and react to the doubts that we're facing in life. There's a second thing I think we need to do. Recognise that faith is a choice and not a feeling. It took me a long time to figure this one out. For many years, I tended to associate with faith with how I felt at any given moment. It's easy to feel like you've got a lot of faith when all is well. You've got money in the bank. Your wife loves you. The doctor says you don't have cancer. Your children are doing well. Your career's moving along great. You're happy at your church and all is right with the world. But what will you have when you run out of money? Your marriage falls apart. You lose your job. Your friends at church don't like you anymore, won't talk to you. Your life, in fact, generally stinks. And if all you've got is the God of the good times, then your faith is shallow. Because we have a God of the bad times as well as the good times. I need to tell you that this morning. When my father died in 1966, I didn't understand why. It doesn't make any more sense to me now than what it did then. But I'm older and wiser. And in one question that really matters, I don't have any answers. But I've learned that since that faith is a choice you make, sometimes you choose to believe because of what you see. More often you believe in spite of what you can see. And as I look to the world around me, many things are still remain mysterious and unanswerable. But if, if there's no God and if he's not good, then nothing at all makes sense. Nothing at all makes sense. I've chosen to believe because I must believe. I've got no other choice. If I sound confident, it's only because I've learned through my tears that only confidence can be found, not in man, it can only be found in God, and God alone. Here's the next thing you should do. Act on your faith. Act on your faith and not your doubts. That's what Noah did when he built the ark. That's what Abraham did when he left Ur of the Chaldees. That's what Abraham did when he offered Isaac. That's what Moses did when he marched through the Red Sea on dry ground. That's what David did when he faced Goliath. That's what Joshua did when he marched around Jericho. That's what Daniel did when he was thrown into the lion's den. That's what Nehemiah did when he built the wall. Don't you think for one minute that all of those heroes of faith 
had their moments of doubt? Yes, they did. In the same way, you would have had your moments of doubt. They didn't know in advance how everything was going to turn out. But it turned out pretty well for them, didn't it? They got through everything in life that they had to face at the time. They just took a deep breath. They decided to trust God and they acted on their faith and not on their doubts. That's where we need to be today in the world in which we live in. Do the same thing and I'll tell you what will happen. Your faith will grow much stronger. You will become stronger in Christ. So doubt your doubts, but not your faith. This simply means that you should not cast away your faith simply because you're in the deep valley of darkness. All of us walk into that deep valley from time to time. Some of us spend a great deal of time there. But when you find yourself in that valley where you maybe feel uncertain, maybe you feel bad-tempered, maybe you feel tempted to give in to your doubts, your fears and your worries, remember these two words. Here's some advice. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking in faith because nothing is gained coming out of the valley of darkness. The only way is to keep on walking because every step forward is a way to doubt your doubts. I'll tell you what will happen. The light will shine on again. It'll come back again. And you'll remember that God has brought you through time and time again. And some of it, for some of us, it will be the same thing over and over and over again. Here's the next thing I want to tell you. Understand that there are some things you will never understand this side of heaven. That's a fact. You'll never understand things this side of heaven. All of us have questions that simply haven't been answered. Often these questions revolve around this, the whys of life. You know what I'm talking about, the whys of life? Why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? Why did it happen to my children? Why did it happen to my wife? Why did it happen to my husband? Why did it happen now and not ten years ago? All these things are questions from there. Because it hits us in the heart, doesn't it? Right there. And we'll have to deal with it. Because the answers we won't find out until we get to heaven. It's faith building. That's the game that we're in. It's a faith building exercise. I understand that I won't understand it right now. Do you get that? I understand that I won't understand it right now. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up and uh, get themselves settled. But keep going back to what you know to be true. This for me is, is perhaps the most important point. After considering the sufferings of this life and the perils and tribulations of following Christ, Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. For I am persuaded. For I am persuaded. And he declares that nothing in all of the universe can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that good this morning? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He says this, I know whom I have believed. See, some things you think, some things you hope, some things you know. In times of trouble, keep going back to what you know to be true. 
If you have doubts, cry out, Lord, I believe, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Then get ready, because that's a prayer God will always answer. Amen? Amen. That's a prayer that God will always answer. The greatest gift God gives are wrapped in doubt. God is with me. God is in me. God is for me. You are highly favoured this morning. God is for you, and he's with you in this moment. And I know there are people out there who ask various questions as they go through life. Questions like, how can I really be forgiven by someone who died on a cross before I was even born? How can someone else's death affect my life? How can you really use me? Look at me, I'm nobody. How can you use me? How can I move forward? How can I believe? And here's my final word to you this morning. God never turns an honest doubter away. Over to the band. Thanks, everyone.